0: I know this is going to sound slightly ironic, but in this very last minute podcast, uh, before I go around South America for a few weeks, I'm going to be talking about the importance of planning. Hello, one and all. Uh, hope you're all well and having a good time. Apologies for the slightly delayed uh, recording of this. <laughs> I, haven't, I do know that there's an irony in having a podcast that talks about planning uh, that is actually itself going to be delivered late, simply because I haven't had time uh, to record it. As of tomorrow, I'm out working with the cruise company, out working with Crystal Cruises uh, for a few weeks going around South America. We're going from Argentina to Uruguay, to the Falkland Islands and then up the Chilean fjords. I cannot wait, it's going to be an amazing trip uh, but I think I still have about eight hours worth of work to do before then and that's before I start to do any actual packing. So uh, as you can imagine, I'm surrounded, surrounded by lists and lists of lists, Uh, things I need to have done, things I need to have checked, things I need to have packed. Now, luckily, um, Sarah, uh, my ever-suffering beautiful missus, is incredibly organised, and so uh, I am trusting that she is looking after uh, an awful lot of this, but I will look after all of the tech. And so I have this huge great master list of things that needs to be cross-checked both on the camera side of things so that I've got the right uh, cameras, lenses, flashes, batteries, chargers, memory cards, you name it, Uh, but all the way through of course to the production side because when we're out working on the ship... Uh, we do everything from soup to nuts to use the Americanism. Um, we actually are going to be photographing and then doing the edits and production. So everything has to work seamlessly. And because of the variability of being able to connect to the Internet once we're on board the ship, I have to make sure it's all road tested over here and that there can't be any errors. And I've got a backup kit uh, and there's an awful lot to go through. Um, but I wanted to just talk a little bit in this podcast about how important it is to have lists and also to make sure that you use them and I'll come on to that in a moment but first a quick top and tail of what's been going on so this is the first podcast I've recorded where it's just me and a microphone uh, it really is just me and a microphone I'm sitting here in front of my iMac in the studio uh, it's 10 to 11 at night Nobody here as you can imagine, you can hear the fans whirring in the background, the disc fans and uh, at some point point I'll have a proper recording space where you won't be able to hear the whirring of hard drive fans. Uh, But talking of hard drives, uh, I woke up the other morning to a complete disaster. Uh, now, this the moral of this story is have some disaster planning in place. Uh, luckily, I do. So the outcome of this was actually all okay. But I woke up to find uh, lots of error messages in my intray from one of our hard drive units, the Drobo unit I use here. It's got about nine terabytes of storage on it. We have three Drobo units in the, in the business, See, whatever they are. The Drobo units are just big hard drive um, storage enclosures. Uh, We have one that's a very fast one that I run all my editing from, and then we have two uh, network-attached storage units, so they sit on the network uh, where we back everything up. And the the live drive, the main drive, was reporting uh, catastrophic failure. One of the disk drives had properly failed, and um, I was getting a flurry of emails at about 7 o'clock in the morning saying that one of the hard drives had completely failed uh, and that uh, it would run in safe mode for a while, but I need to change uh, uh, drive-in bay number one. Uh, which is a very easy thing to do as it happened. I've already got a carrier spare disc just in case. Uh, so whipped out a very broken, looking sorry for itself, three terabyte unit and dropped in a new one. And uh, the Drobo uh, rebuilt itself over the subsequent 24 hours. Now, in any other circumstances, that could have been an unmitigated disaster. Uh, as you know if you lose a hard drive suddenly you're in a panic and the reason I have a Drobo uh, unit here at all and the reason actually we have multiple units that we replicate data across is because I've had entire drives go and you suddenly sit looking at a screen where it's saying it cannot find your images and it's one of the worst feelings in the world so luckily for me this was all set up uh, we have um, Uh, availability planning in place in the business. uh, So I'm giving away my history as as an IT consultant. I've sat and thought about this. And so when the drive failed, uh, my first line of defense and it worked was to take out the broken drive, put in a new one, let it rebuild itself. uh, And it was seamless because the nice thing about the Drobos is while they're rebuilding, you can continue to use it, uh, particularly on this unit, as I've got two drive Uh, double drive redundancy, and that just means that two drives could fail independently of each other and I would still be able to work while it rebuilt itself. If a third drive goes I'm screwed Uh, and then we'd have to flick over to the backup units and they too have dual drive redundancy. Uh, So I could have in total six drives fail in quick succession uh, before it was a real unmitigated catastrophe. Uh, So that started building itself over the day. I went out and did a day's work, Uh, came back in the evening to get an email from our web hosting supplier to say that somebody had hacked my website and they'd taken it offline because there uh, was malware had been uploaded. So this is just one of those days. First thing in the morning, hard drive fail. Last thing at night, website down. And you do occasionally think, oh really? (laughs) Really? Uh, Again, though, you know, I've got planning in place. I know more or less what to do. Uh, Roped in the services of a third party because it's not something I can, uh, I have the skills for. Um, But I knew what I was up to. I roped in the services of a third party and within, uh, I think it was 12 hours, uh, we had the website back on its feet. It didn't stop it being embarrassing, particularly as we had a couple of wedding inquiries during that time, (laughs) one of which pointed out that we'd We'd come highly recommended. we had been referred by another photographer, uh, but unfortunately they couldn't see our website. They'd heard our pictures were good, but all they were getting was a 403 forbidden error. Uh, so uh, next morning when the website was back on its feet, I had to write a very, or one of my guys wrote a very sheepish email saying we're ever so sorry about that uh, and explaining what had happened. As it happened, I couldn't do their date anyway, uh, but it doesn't stop it being embarrassing. So that was the disasters uh, for this week. In terms of the more positives, it has been, as it so often is, quite a hectic week. Uh, I had one wedding pitch, a successful wedding pitch, as it happened, uh, which is always lovely. I really enjoy pitching these days. I really, I've, I was, I did a seminar, which is the second thing on my list here. I went down to uh, the Master Photographers Association down in South Wales, who made me so welcome. It's untrue; they are the nicest bunch of people. Uh, and a, a really, really incredible room of photographers too. Uh, and it was really full, which is always gratifying. It's 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 hard when you've driven a long way. Uh, there not many people around. But no, the seats were full. Had a brilliant evening in the company of some amazing photographers. Uh, as it happens talking about sales and marketing. Now I know, you know, in the audience out there, not everybody... Not everybody agrees or thinks that associations and those kinds of clubs are particularly useful as a photographer. I do, though. I really like them. I love being in the audience and I love presenting at them. Uh, And every time I'm uh, in the presence of other photographers, I learn something. So we did this one seminar down in South Wales. uh, And as a footnote, they sent me home with a really very lovely uh, bottle of uh, Welsh whiskey which I know is, uh, something possibly <laughs> Welsh whiskey didn't exist until fairly recently, uh, but Penderyn the, the distillery down in the Brackens, uh, the, uh, the Penderyn distillery is making some really rather wonderful whiskey. So thank you to everybody who came and thank you, uh, to the guys who sent me on my way, uh, with a bottle of something rather lovely. Uh, we've had, uh, four reveals or rather we had four reveals in the diary, uh, of which only three happened. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, it happens sometimes. It happens, much, it happens much less than it used to. Uh, we have a no show. You know, it used to happen quite a lot, but we have a very rigorous. A build up process into our shoots and into our reveals now with emails and uh, reminder phone calls and texts and things to make sure that the client doesn't forget. Sadly, it doesn't always work. And so uh, Sarah sat in the studio uh, for a day or for an afternoon waiting on the hope this one client was going to turn up. Uh, and she was only down here to meet that client. And that's, I think, the unfortunate part of it, it was on a Sunday. And when someone doesn't turn up, you really do feel like you've wasted the day. It doesn't matter so much when it's a normal working day, I think, a normal uh, Monday to Friday or Tuesday to Friday. because you're already in the studio, but when you've made an effort, gone in, lit all of the candles, got everything set up, got it all nice and warm, uh, and then they don't turn up. It really does break your heart a little bit. As it happens, the client was very apologetic. It completely slipped her mind. She'd gone ice skating with the kids. Um, And I think that's, you know, these these things happen. But from our side, of course, uh, it's an awful lot of time we could have spent doing something completely different. Uh, The other three reveals, very lovely, very successful. I don't know about you, uh, but I really enjoy the process of selling now. And I was talking to a photographer at the other night about this and we might get onto a proper podcast about it. Um, But when a client comes to you to have some photographs taken, it's implicit in that process that they're going to buy something. You're going to sell something. You're going to create something. You're going to sell it. They're going to buy it. And if the purchase part of it doesn't happen, if there's no sales and buying, then you've not really succeeded in what they came for. And yet photographers feel guilty, I think, to a greater degree about selling their creativity. And of course, The only reason the client was there was to buy your creativity. So selling it is implicit in that relationship. And once the penny dropped on that for me, I now love being around reveals. I love the selling process. I love the build up process. Um, I do a lot of it during the shoot itself. I'm talking about what kinds of pictures I'm taking, where they could go on a wall, how they might sit together in an album. And then at the end of the session, I give uh, the client a price list. I walk them into the reveal room where all of our frames are on the walls and I show them what it is that I'm going to try to sell them. I'm really honest about it. I'm laughing. It's part of the shoot. It's part of the energy, and I'm very positive about it. And I'm, it's not a hard sell. I'm simply laughing and saying, wouldn't you want to own something like this on your wall? And if they kind of go pale, I say, well, if you haven't got a wall that big, of course, you can have an album or something along those lines. And I think it's ever since I got my head round that process and that innate Uh, relationship that comes with having clients. Uh, I've enjoyed it an awful lot more. So uh, three really good reveals, one no show, but they'll come back in a week or two. That's already in the diary. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be absolutely fine. Uh, I've done uh, eight portrait shoots, uh, two of which were corporate portrait shoots. Um, And I've spoken about this a bit before. I love doing corporate portraiture. I absolutely love it because you get to meet smart, funny people uh, and still take pictures of them. I love family portraiture just as much and we tend to do family portraiture here at the studio and we tend to do corporate out in location um, but i really enjoy the fact that it's, it's, a, it's a little bit like speed dating uh, because i might get as i did in london at a hedge fund i had to photograph nine of their staff in very short order it's an early start it's a 5am start in a land rover uh, rock up into covent garden up into their offices set up a studio, a little mini studio in their boardroom, and then I spend the next two hours laughing my head off uh, with really clever, funny people um, about their jobs, how they got those jobs, what they think of it, and taking a really simple but really beautifully lit uh, headshot. And I really enjoy it. So uh, two of those were corporate, the other five or six uh, were families on the whole. Uh, we ran a campaign at the end of last year, a competition um, for people to come to the studio uh, And the the prize was uh, to come for a shoot in the frame. Uh, But you must bring a dog. (laughs) You have to bring your four-legged friend. Now, the shoot can be of just your dog, if you wish. It can be of one, two, three, four dogs, if you wish. It can be of your family with a dog, if you wish. But the competition, the rules were quite simple. Uh, It must include a dog. We did it because we thought it would be fun. And it ties in with the fact that I won Dog Portrait Photographer of the Year. Uh, for the uk last year with the master photographers association it was all kind of tied together and we thought it'd just be a different angle on it and it's proving to be incredibly successful people are coming with these beautiful dogs that they absolutely love i swear sometimes i think they love the dogs more than the kids um and it's a lot of fun uh so we've been doing that and talking of dogs uh i've had three different hearing dog sessions in the past week or so uh two normal ones at the um grange which is their headquarters over in Saunderton, one of which was so cold we photographed it in the snow and you may have seen one of the pictures out on Facebook. Uh, for me, lying in the snow is just icy cold and challenging, but for the dogs, they love it. Uh, and they just bounded around the fields having the best time ever. I think for people that live in wintry regions where you have a good solid winter, you don't get quite the excitement uh, you do that we do here with a snowfall, but the dogs were going absolutely nuts. Uh, and then a third shoot was up in Coventry meeting a beautiful lady, lovely lady, and her hearing dog, her husband and her hearing dog, and photographing to capture just what a difference uh, these incredible uh, these incredible dogs for this charity the hearing dogs uh, make to people's lives so it was quite quite a week an awful lot going on and now I have to pack. Uh, before I do that I thought I'd just quickly tell a couple of stories or a story anyway on the importance of planning now I'm sitting here surrounded by lists I've got tick lists after tick lists after tick lists um, because I've learned my lesson over the years that I can't just scoop everything up, bung it in a bag and expect it all to be okay. I've actually been cross-checking my travel lists uh, for the past week and a half to make sure that everything is working and anything that isn't, uh, I've got time to replace it. And even now I'm doing some double-checking because at the airport tomorrow, if I haven't got what I need, uh, then I can always nip into one of the electronic shops. It's almost certainly going to be something electronic. I doubt uh, I doubt my socks are going to suddenly fail to work, but you'd be amazed how many times a cable suddenly fails to work. So uh, I've got time tomorrow at the airport if I need it um to very quickly go there and i've been building this list over many years every time i travel i use the same list which means i can update it the whole time um with new bits of kit, so for instance, uh, we now have a new Bluetooth uh, speaker that's really useful to have with us, just when we're doing reveals on the ship. Uh, they don't necessarily always have audio in the rooms we're uh, we're showing pictures in, and so I've got um, a little Bluetooth little Bose speaker that I could take with me. And Of course, you add things like that to the list. Um, every time you get your fingers burnt by something going wrong, uh, what went wrong last time? Oh, that's right, I ended up in. That's right, we ended up in a hotel room in the States. Now, what you need to know is that although the shipping, so the cruise company, Crystal Cruises, who we work with is an American company, the ships have European plugs, not British plugs, not American plugs, but European plugs, Uh, two long round pins and an earth. And what I didn't figure was uh, on the last trip, we stayed in an American hotel for a couple of nights ahead of picking up the cruise. And we went ahead of ourselves. And of course, I didn't have the right adapters because I got the adapters for the ship without noticing that they were not American adapters. And so it's things like that. They're now on the list to make sure I've got both US adapters, European adapters. In fact, I now carry a multinational adapter, uh, just in case. And it's stuff like that. It's just experience when you've done it a lot. I have a lot of lists that contain a lot of items. Um, Anyway, on to the subject of lists. Now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was the SWPP, or the Societies of Photographers Convention in London. I'm very lucky to be a judge Uh, and one of the um, speakers uh, running superclasses and masterclasses there. And on my way over, I'd I'd done a couple of gigs in London. I'd worked in the Houses of Parliament in the morning. I was working at a really beautiful, beautiful, beautiful restaurant-cum-bar in the afternoon. And I hopped into a cab for the hour and a half across London to to go to the judges' briefing at the hotel in West London uh, for the convention. Uh, by the way, a big thank you to everyone who runs a convention. I I think I'll talk a bit more about conventions in a different podcast because I absolutely love them. But I'm sitting in this cab. I've hailed this cab. And you know, when you get into a cab, you get very quickly a sense of whether you've got a cabbie that you're going to enjoy the ride or not. And this was the latter. I didn't. I wasn't going to. He was, he was, when I got in, he was shouting on the phone. As it turned out, he was shouting on the phone or arguing rather on the phone with his sister. Now, at least I think it's his sister. Everything that he said, said this was his sister. And she would ring up. Now, I can only hear one half of the conversation, right? Because he's on his mobile phone. He shouldn't be on his mobile phone. He's got it pressed to his ear as he's driving. And I don't know what the laws are all around the world, but in the UK, you're not allowed to do that. Um, But he has. So he's driving one-handed in the cab through London. We're we're not traveling very quickly. It doesn't worry me particularly. Um, We're doing 10 mile an hour. That's why it took an hour and a half to do however many miles it was, 10 miles. Um, But he's having this ongoing row with his sister. Let's assume it's his sister, who basically rings him up, berates him, hangs up, and then rings him up, berates him, hangs up. And through the whole of this conversation, he's trying really hard to be calm. Um, But even he was, you know, quite stroppy and he would prod at her, so every time she rang back, he would say, "Well, that's an easy thing to do—hanging up, isn't it?" Uh, And he'd wind her up even further. Um, What had transpired, as best I can find out—or best I could from listening to it—was that he had recently got married. Now he's an an older guy; he's in his fifties, but he's recently got married, and I'm guessing it's a second or third marriage. I don't think it was his first time. And during the wedding, during the wedding, the photographer had failed to take one picture. And that one picture must have been of this lady who's on the phone shouting at him because all of the defences he was giving appeared to counter that problem. So she'd ring up, yell at him, and he would say things like, I don't know why the photographer didn't take that picture. He just didn't. It wasn't personal. I just don't know what happened. I've spoken to him. He doesn't know why he didn't take it. It didn't get taken. It's nobody's fault. And then she shouted him some more. And he'd say, it's not personal. It wasn't about you. The photograph just didn't get taken. Now, this picture, I think, was of the bride and groom, this cab driver, his new wife, and this sister and her partner. That's what I think the picture was from from some things he said. But it was quite apparent that she was taking this as a personal affront. This was really quite problematic. And I'm guessing again, from the bits and pieces he was saying, that it's because his new wife doesn't like this sister very much. Now, if I'm honest, if I was being perfectly candid, I don't like his sister very much. She sounds like she's well stroppy with very little reason. However, this is clearly quite sensitive. And she had taken the fact that she's not in this photograph or hadn't been photographed in this particular combination as a way that this new sister-in-law of hers was having a go at her. Clearly, the cabbie is arguing everything against that. It's not personal. But every time he tried to argue and be rational, this lady would fly off the handle and the poor guy would, in the end, suddenly get cut off mid-sentence. The phone would go dead. He'd put it down. Two seconds later, she'd pick up and have another go at him. And my point is this. If you're going to be a wedding photographer, if you're going to be a wedding photographer, see, I brought it back on topic. If you're going to be a wedding photographer, you need good lists and you need to double check them. That's the point. It's all right having lists. Lists are only ever any good if you do something with them. And this photographer clearly at some point during the day had either not followed the list, the picture hadn't happened or whatever. And so for us here, when we're doing planning, I have these lists. Of course, I do like nearly all wedding photographers. But at the end of the wedding, I have cross-checked that list. And anywhere I have a gap, anywhere I have a gap, I go back to the bride and groom and I say, listen, What would you like to do about these two or three pictures if it's... I mean, to be honest, it rarely happens. But when it does, use it to do with timings. You know, they they put... uh, To use an Americanism again, uh, they wanted to put £12 of shit into a £10 bag. Um, And you can't do that. Sometimes there are just more pictures to take than you have time in which to take them. So I'll go find the bride and groom and say, listen, we haven't taken this picture yet. Um, Do you still want to take it? We'll go find a bit of space. I can run a little bit of light. I can bounce some light off a ceiling or a wall. um, Or I can put a light onto a stand and we can take this picture. And of course, it's not a problem. And I go and cross check and no matter what they say, um, I always quickly write that in the notes for those pictures that haven't been taken, if there are any, just to make sure. And then I double check one last time. Is there anything else I can do for you? any more pictures, anything else you think you need that you hadn't thought of when we went through the planning, now's the time, now's the time to tell me. And at the end of that, again, I write whatever they say down on my uh, cross-check list so that when I leave the wedding, when I leave the wedding, I have my list fully ticked off and anything that is missed, has been noted and signed off by the client because it avoids that kind of row. The importance of lists, particularly in things like wedding photography or in this particular uh, thing today where I'm packing to go away for a couple of weeks tomorrow, lists are your ultimate friend. And on that happy note, I'm going to go and stick some stuff in a flight case, check the batteries are all in there, check I've got enough memory cards, cleaners, cameras, lenses, spares, brushes, tripods, you name it, uh, all within the 24 kilos per bag limit that Norwegian and British Airways uh, have given me. And I'm going to go and have the trip of a lifetime. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, I really hope you have enjoyed it. I know this is a short one. Uh, please do tell your friends about it and share it. Uh, also, please, 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 I cannot say please enough. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes in particular. It's great if you leave us reviews on Spotify, uh, Podbean, um Uh, Radio Public uh, and Stitcher of course that's lovely too uh, but iTunes is the one that seems to drive our uh, search um, engine results so if you'd like to please leave us a review uh, not just a rating but some words that say what you think of the podcast if you don't like the podcast my email address is paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk then let me know how we can improve it I know this is a short one uh, but as, as you probably have gathered, it's a busy day today and I'm trying to get everything packed uh, and ran out of time to do anything longer. Um, but if you do enjoy it, please share it. Please subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Radio Public, Stitcher, uh, Podbean. You can also find all of the episodes we've ever recorded on the home of this podcast, which is the MasteringPortraitPhotography.com uh website. That's masteringportraitphotography.com, where we have a whole ton of content all about the joys of portrait photography. So anyway, until next time, when I return from my trip abroad, be kind to yourselves. Take care.